0: "'But like the west coast of Scotland, wouldn't you say?' "'Ah, not unlike,' the second devil agreed. "'He was sixty-two years old, quite short, and had a shrewd, weathered face. "'It was a kindly face with small, bright blue eyes. "'He had been a soldier for over forty years, "'and in that time had endured a score of hard-fought battles "'that had left him with a near-useless right arm, "'a slight limp, and a tolerant view of sinful mankind.' His name was Francis MacLean, and he was a brigadier general, a Scotsman, commanding officer of His Majesty's 82nd Regiment of foot, governor of Halifax, and now, at least according to the dictates of the King of England, the ruler of everything he surveyed from the Blondes' quarterdeck. He had been aboard the frigate for thirteen days, the time it had taken to sail from Halifax in Nova Scotia, and he felt a twinge of worry that the length of the voyage might prove unlucky. He wondered if it might have been better to have made it fourteen days and surreptitiously touched the wood on the rail. A burnt wreck lay on the eastern shore. It had once been a substantial ship, capable of crossing an ocean, but now it was a ribcage of charred wood half inundated by the flooding tide that carried the Blonde upriver. "'So how far are we now from the open sea?' he asked the blue uniformed captain of the Blonde. Twenty-six nautical miles.' Captain Andrew Barclay answered briskly. And there, he pointed over the starboard bow and past the lion-crested cathead, from which one of the frigate's anchors was suspended, there is your new home. McLean borrowed the captain's glass, and using his awkward right arm as a rest for the tubes, trained the telescope forward. For a moment, the small motions of the ship defeated him, so that all he glimpsed was a blur of grey clouds, dark and sullen water. But he steadied himself to see that the Penobscot River widened to make the great lake that Captain Barclay called Penobscot Bay. The bay, McLean thought, was really a great sea lock, which he knew from his study of Barclay's charts was some eight miles from east to west and three miles from north to south. A harbour opened from the bay's eastern shore. The mouth of the harbour was edged by rocks, while on its northern side was a hill crowned thick with trees. A settlement stood on the southern slope of that hill. Over a score of wooden homes and barns were set among patches of corn, plots of vegetables, and piles of timber. A handful of fishing boats was anchored in the harbour, along with one small brig that McLean assumed was a trading vessel. "'So that's much a big he said softly. "Back topsails," the captain called. "'Order the fleet to heave to.' "'I shall trouble you to signal for a pilot, Mr. Fennel. "'Aye, aye, sir.' "'The frigate suddenly seized, with men running to release sheets. "'That's Madra Bigwa Juice,' Barclay said in a tone that suggested the name was as risable as the place. "'Number one gun!' Lieutenant Fennel shouted, provoking another rush of men, who ran to the forward starboard cabin. "'Do you have any idea?' McLean asked the captain. "'What Madra Juice signifies?' Signifies? Aye, does the, does the name mean anything? Oh, no idea, no idea, Barclay said, apparently irritated by the question. Now, Mr. Fennel! The gun charged and wadded, but without any shot was fired. The recoil was slight, but the sound of the gun seemed hugely loud, and the cloud of smoke enveloped half the blonde's deck. The gunshot faded, then was echoed back from the shore before fading a second time. ''We shall discover something now, won't we?'' Barclay said. ''Oh, what is that?'' McLean inquired. ''Whether they're loyal, General, whether they're loyal. If they've been infected by rebellion, then they'll hardly supply a pilot, will they?'' ''I suppose not,'' McLean said, though he suspected a disloyal pilot could well serve his rebellious cause by guiding HMS Blonde onto a rock. There were plenty of those breaking the bay's surface.' On one, not fifty paces from the frigate's port gunnels, a cormorant spread its dark wings to dry. They waited. The gun had been fired, the customary signal requesting a pilot, but the smoke prevented anyone aboard from seeing whether the settlement of Majabigwa Juice would respond. The five transport ships, four sloops and frigate, drifted upriver on the tide. The loudest noise was the groan wheeze and splashing from the pump aboard one of the sloops, HMS North. The water spurted and gushed rhythmically from the elm spigot set into her hull as sailors pumped her bilge.